All right, let's get on track here. Let me tell you what we're going to do. <clears throat> we're talking about prophecy these days. And we're in a series called What in the World's Going On? Two weeks ago, we talked about the Middle East and uh, food, fuel, what's going on with Russia, all that stuff. Been in scripture for years, coming to pass just like you said it would. Last week, we looked at Matthew 24, the signs of the second coming of Jesus. Why are things happening like they are in our nation? Why are things unraveling like they are? Uh, we're in a storm, you know that. And uh, you're going to see that coming. All right, we're going to stay with that. This week, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about you this week. And I have a word from God for you this week, a prophetic word that lines up with scripture. And you need to hear this because of what's coming in your life and in the future. Uh, we know from the Bible, this is going to happen in the nation and in the earth, but I need to hear God tell me what to do in the middle of it. All right. And we know some things are coming. Uh, a lot of questions about the future right now. A lot of people are nervous about the future. Some people are afraid we're going into recession. I saw this past week. Uh, the first uh, Dutch bank was the first uh, bank to declare it's coming. You know, they, they forecast that recession's coming in the land. We didn't need to be a prophet to know that. Some hard times are coming. A lot of questions about the future. There's really one question you need to think about in the future. There's only one question for the future. Whose side are you on? Once you've settled that, the future's taken care of. The big question about the future is not, is there a recession? It's not the oil issue, the food issue, the Russian issue. The big question for you is, whose side am I solidly on? Once you've settled that, your future's taken care of. And that's the biggest thing you need to deal with. We're going to look at that today in scripture. This is his word concerning the coming days. First thing I want you to see is, and this is the word of God from you concerning the future. God is going to take care of his children. God is going to take care of his children. All right, we're going to read, and I want you, this is one of the great passages of scripture that deals with how God deals with people in rough times. Now, let me tell you where we're at. This is the nation Israel. Israel is God's, uh, it is the apple of his eye. It is the beloved of his heart for all of eternity. Somebody said, well, Jesus was a Jew. Let me correct you. Jesus is a Jew. And Israel is the love of God's heart. He loves everybody, but it's special to him. Now I said that to say this, even his most special nation, if they put their fist in his face, will experience correction from him. Do you understand that? It don't matter. I don't, there is no exemption. He rules in the affairs of men. You will never understand what's going on in the earth until you hear from God on what's going on in the earth. And this is a place in the Bible, if you know history, where Israel absolutely put their fist in his face. They broke every one of his commandments. They tore down his altars. They built foreign, they let foreign gods come in. The king was the most wicked king ever. He married a pagan woman named Jezebel. No, but you don't, we don't have any Jezebels in the children's department. Nobody names their child after that chickadee. But it was a wicked time in Israel's future and, and something happened to him. What you read with me in 1 Kings 16. Let's read verse 30. Ahab, the son of Omri, who was the king, did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's chapter, verse 30. 1 Kings 16. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Let's read verse 33. Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. So he, he was led by his wicked wife and he threw out the worship of God. He threw out the commandments of God and they began to worship false idols and break every commandment of God. All right, because of that, God brought correction to his nation or you, we call it judgment. He brought judgment on the nation Israel. You don't have to read it in the Bible. You can read this in world history. And they went through the most difficult time of their existence. And right, I'm gonna ask you a question. See if you know the Bible. When, some, when God wants to correct people to be good to them, what does he reach for first? Does anybody know? Pocketbook. 
He deals with us economically. That's the history of him dealing with nations. You can find that all through scripture. So here was the judgment. Well, let's just read it. Chapter 17, verse one. Elijah, you've heard of Elijah. Elijah was a redneck preacher. Uh, he lived outdoors. He was, he was not the Mr. Rogers type at all. And Elijah was the national prophet. Right? Ahab was the king of God's people. Elijah was the prophet. And he brings the word of God to the king. And watch what he says to him, verse one. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years until I say it'll rain again. So the judgment was, I'm gonna cut the rain off. What happens in a farming culture when God cuts the rain off? And the rain was cut off for three years. And it was the most terrible economic devastation this nation had ever known. And it was the judgment of God. He wasn't punishing them. God doesn't punish people. He punished his son at the cross so he could be good to us. You say, well, what's he doing right here? He's correcting them. There's a big difference. If you get mad at your kid and whack them, that's punishment. If you train them to keep them from getting killed, that's called correction. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? If my son at 16 years old, if I caught him driving drunk, I wouldn't beat him up because I was mad at him. But I would do something to keep him from driving drunk. Right. Let me explain to you why. It's not that I don't care. I do care. I love the boy. I want him to live. A 16-year-old driving drunk, guess what's going to happen to him if you let him go? I don't, he don't need a friend. He needs a father. And I will correct him. And it will sting. It'll be severe. Because I want him to live. Do you understand what I just said right there? Then was God doesn't punish people. He punished Jesus to be good to you. But if we set our lives on a course that's going to destroy us, he will correct us so we can live. Do you, do you understand that? You got to learn about him. And that's what he's doing. And he told them, I'm going to cut the rain off and you're going to suffer. The moment you turn your heart back to me, the rain will turn back on. That's a father. That's a good father. He's trying to correct him. All right, so they're going into national pain. Of course, he's told the prophet. The prophet tells the king, and it came to pass just like he said. Now, what's, what's the Elijah's problem here? I live in Israel. I love you. I serve you. And the judgment on them is going to hurt me. I live in America. I love God. But what comes on this nation is going to come on me and you. The judgment that's going to come on this earth because it's put his fist in God's face, it's going to come on all of us. All right, God's got a further word for somebody. And here it is. Read with me in verse two. This is that great passage. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, get away from here, turn eastward, hide by the brook Cherith that flows into the Jordan. It will be that you shall drink from the brook and I, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and stayed by the brook Cherith that flows into the Jordan. The birds, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. 360 days, every morning the birds brought breakfast and delivered it. And they didn't just bring bread, they brought bread and meat. Every day, 360 days through that entire period, they brought meat and set it down there. What's God saying right here? Even if I have to correct the people and I bring judgment on a nation, people who love me, I will be responsible for their well-being. And, and what's the deal about the birds? Why couldn't he have just found some beans left from a farmer or something? The deal about the birds is God's saying to you, I want you to know I'm doing it supernaturally. I want you to know this is me taking care of you. But was, this is the commitment of God to his people. I don't care what comes on your nation. I'm responsible for your well-being. 
and you will not miss a meal. You won't miss a house payment. You won't miss a power payment. Your kids will go to school. I will take care of those who follow me. Now the secret's in the man's name. His name is Elijah. And there was another prophet right behind him called Elisha. But Elijah was the major prophet. The word Elijah is two Hebrew words jammed together. Eli is translated uh, Eli. Uh, my God is, or I serve. That's the word Eli. Well, Jah is the shortened form of Jehovah. Jehovah's God's name in the Old Testament. Jah is the shortened form of it. So his name literally means I serve the living God. I serve Jehovah God. And because he made a decision. Now, there was, everybody in Israel went to church. They all went to synagogue. They had the Ten Commandments written on their walls. They were required to do that. They didn't keep them. They were religious people. Big difference in being religious and loving God with all your heart. Elijah said, my God is Jehovah God and I'm going to serve him. And here's the message. The only thing you need to know about the future, you don't need to worry about, do I have enough money to retire? The answer is no. Do I have enough money to do this? Will the stock market collapse? Probably. All these questions of the future. You know the only thing you need to be concerned with? Who is my God? You need to make up your mind, Jehovah is my God. And I'm going to serve him and love him and honor him. And the day you do that, and you mean it, you will never have another financial concern in your life, according to the word of God. It will be a miracle, just like it was here. But he has promised. I'm going to tell you something. God takes care of his children. And he takes care of our needs in the future. That's the simple message. And I want to ask you a question. Do you have faith in God? Who's your faith in? Now, let me tell you what's happened in this nation. We made a terrible mistake in this nation. We disobeyed God when we made government God in this nation. God ordained government. God is the one who said, anytime you got two people together, there's got to be some government. And he's the first one to ordain government where people live. You got to have it. And uh, the, ord- the government, the Bible said, Romans 13, is ordained by God. But listen to carefully what the Bible teaches. God said in his word, government is to protect people. He never meant for government to provide. In God's economy, government's not supposed to provide. He's supposed to provide. And in this nation, this nation, we've made a terrible mistake by making the government our source and our provider. And let me tell you what this Bible teaches. You may not like it, but I'm telling you what this Bible teaches. You worship the government and you let the government become your source instead of me, I will kick your government over. And this is exactly what he did here. Dennis, let me tell you something. I meet too many Christians today. Their faith is not in Jehovah Jireh. Now, let me tell you who Jehovah Jireh is. God has eight names in the Old Testament, compound names. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Sidkenu. Everyone is who he is. All right, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. But Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. We're to look to heaven for our provision, not Washington, D.C. And too many believers today are worshiping Jehovah government or government Jireh. Government's not supposed to be your provider. We, we made a great mistake when the government became a provider and we're in trouble because of it. But let me tell you something. <clears throat> After that verse six, I wrote in my Bible, Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you can't trust that man to pay your power bill, how can you trust him to get you into heaven? I'd say it's harder to get you into heaven than it is to pay your power bill. I'm telling you, he's got the cash. My God will supply all your need according to the stock exchange, the Federal Reserve, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you will never have to worry about money again the longest day of your life. All right, let me help you with this. 
I need to give you something for the future because of what's coming. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And you need to remember this. And dear ones, it's not enough to know it. You need to feed on it. Because listen, your faith's going to be challenged. Your faith's going to be challenged. You're going to get stuff in the mail and, and you're going to shake over it a little bit. You're going to watch the news and it's going to cause you to become fearful. God's people have no business being fearful. And the answer for fear is not to try to be tough. The answer for fear is the word of God. We don't live by trying to be tough. Man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And I'm going to give you a permanent word. You need to mark this in your Bible and you need to read it once in a while. When uh, your child says, I want to go to college and you go online and you see this thing called the price of college, you need to turn back here and read this. Luke chapter 11. All right, let me ask you a question before we read this. Who taught you how to pray? Did you learn how to pray from grandma or listening to your mama or pray how you felt? How about if we let Jesus teach us how to pray since he's the one we're talking to? Luke chapter 11, verse two. He said to them, when you pray, say this. All right, dear ones, let, let me help you. Everybody look right here. When you pray, say what he tells you to say. Say this, our father. Guess what a father is? Somebody looks after kids. Who is in heaven, I worship your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. What's verse three say? Give us day by day our daily bread. And he's not just talking about whole wheat either. Make my house payment. Help me with my car payment. Now listen, don't make foolish decisions, get too deep in debt. He warned you against that too. But we're told to ask him to pay our bills, are we not? Let me ask you a question. Do you think the living, loving God would ask you to do something and him say, no? Read this with me. Look down about verse, uh, verse 11. If a son asks for bread from a father, will he give him a stone? What's the two key words in there? Father, son. I guarantee if my eight-year-old came in hungry and said, Daddy, Mama's not here tonight. You cooking supper yet? And he said, I'm hungry, Daddy. You think I'm going to put a bowl of rocks in front of him? See how foolish he makes it? What's he saying right here? If you'll feed your children, I'll take better care of you than you do them. I'll feed you quicker than you'll feed your children. And you know what you do to take care of your children. This is his promise. All right, turn the page. Let's, let's look at something here. Chapter 12, you need to hang on to this. Would we, let's just do what he said. Can we agree we're going to do what Jesus says? All right. Luke 12, verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, now listen to me. This is not for people. This is not for everybody. Who's this for? Disciples who have decided to follow Jesus. These are people who want to follow Jesus. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. All right. That's the 11th commandment. I know good and well, I don't need y'all. I don't need to, do I need to tell y'all not to kill people? Do I need to tell y'all that? That's number six. It made the top 10. That's number six. Do I need to tell y'all not to kill people? Thank you. I got one man. I don't need to tell not to kill people. I don't need to tell you not. You know better than that. Do I need to tell you not to chase other men's wives? All right, three of you know that. Praise God. This, that's number seven on the top 10. Do I need to tell you not to lie? Why am I having to tell you not to worry? It was the same man who set you free from that other stuff. Jesus wants to set you free from worry. What are you seeing across the nation right now? Right. Worry and fear. And Jesus said, listen, you don't need to do that. And he makes this promise to you. Now, this is wonderful here. All right, verse uh, 22. Therefore, do not worry about your life saying, or about your body, what do you put? He said, listen, why are you worrying about your finances? You don't need to worry about your finances. Life is more than finances, food and clothing. I just said this, look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap. They don't have tractors. They don't have barns. God feeds birds. No bird on this planet ever takes a bite that God didn't put it there for him. And then he said this, are you not more precious to me than a bird? 
Now, I love the birds. I don't know if you noticed them. I'm sure some of you don't because you got a bit of daylight to see it. They're singing their little hearts out at daylight these days because springtime. So I go out there and watch them and listen to them. Let me tell you what I noticed about the birds. They are fat. You ever noticed? You see a skinny bird, he's sick. He's got the Asian flu or something. They're just, they're just fat, just singing their little hearts out. They don't have a care in the world. I've never gone, and I got bird feeders all around the farm there. I've never gone out and seen this bird like sitting on my uh, railing out there with his little bird legs crossed, wondering, <laughs> looking worried. They're just singing their little hearts out. They don't have no tractors. They don't have no grocery stores. God is taking care of them and you're more valuable to him than that. Now, listen, do what he says. Watch the birds. Get off the TV and watch the birds. All right, he said this. Uh, let's look down verse 27. Look at the flowers. This is the time of the year for this. They don't toil, they don't spin. Solomon wasn't dressed as beautiful as the flowers. I don't know if y'all knew this or not. Solomon was the great dresser in the Bible. He was the GQ of the Bible. He wasted more money on threads than anybody in the Bible. I mean, he, he dressed crazy. You know what God said? Solomon never touched the beauty of the flowers. I watch what he says about flowers here. And this is speaking this to me and you. If God clothes the grass or the flowers, let me tell you what's happening this time of the year. No flower ever opens according to the Bible unless he tells it to. Every rose that blooms, every buttercup that springs up, it came up because he told it to. Now this is what he said. If God so clothes the flowers which are tomorrow will be thrown in the garbage, how much more will he clothe you? And he tells you this. Let's go on out. Here's his, here's his word here. Verse 29, do not seek what you should eat or drink, nor be worried. Quit living your life for money and the things money can buy. Everybody needs it, but he's responsible for taking care of it. All these things, the nations of the world. So that's what people, everybody gets up and thinks about how, if I had a better job, if I, how am I going to pay my bill? He said, that's what everybody else thinks about. Don't do that. Listen to this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now you hear some powerful words. Your bills will be paid. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. I'll feed you. I'll take care of your clothes. I'll put fuel in your car. If it goes, I, I remember saying years ago, I don't care if gas goes to $5 a gallon. <laughs> Lo and flipping behold, look here we are. <laughs> what do you say? What do you, listen to what he said. Listen to this verse. Put me first. You take care of my business. I take care of your business. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Walk with me. Find out what I'm doing in the earth. I'm not talking about church work. Be a part of what I'm doing in the earth in your community. Love people. Walk with me. You will never lack a dollar. I'll take care of you. And then this great verse, verse 32. Don't you ever be afraid, little ones. It is your father's joy to pay your phone bill. He enjoys paying your bills. It is your father's delight to give you the kingdom. And that's more than money. That's everything in your heart. I'm telling you, he is a good father. Now I'm going to tell you something. I had three children. I love my children dearly. They're grown and gone. They're taking care of themselves. My kids were little. God is my witness. I would have picked up cans on the side of the road to feed them if I'd have needed to, and I'd have been thankful to get to do it. I wouldn't have whined a bit. Listen to what he said. If you being evil compared to me will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father take care of you? Let me make an announcement. God's a better dad than I am, and he'll take care of you. Now, that's your future. You don't have to worry about finances because fi I believe finances is going to be the big deal in the future coming up. And he's going to take care of his children. All right, number one, God takes care of his children. Number two, God stands up for people who stand up for him. If you want Jesus to stand up for you, you need to be standing up for him now. I love these days. I love these days. These are the greatest days to be alive on the planet. 
These are the days where straddling the fence is over. Only thing you're going to get straddling the fence these days is a sore crotch. It ain't going to work no more, buddy. I love these days. I'm so thankful I was born during these days. All right, I'm going to go back to 1 Kings 18. I want to show you something. This was the nation that had turned its face against God. They're in trouble. And uh, they're in trouble because they put their fist in God's face. They'd broken his commandments. I don't know if you knew this or not. God rules in the affairs of men. He's not a distant God. His hand's on this place. And in Deuteronomy 28, if you want to look it up sometime, it's a lengthy chapter, 60 some verses. And it's his covenant with nations. He said, now here's how I deal with nations. And here's what he said. If you will obey me and keep my commands. Now, don't you notice what he didn't say? I don't want honorable mention from you. I don't need you wearing a cross and I don't want a bumper sticker on your car. I don't care about that stuff. If you will obey me. If you'll obey me and keep my commands, I will bless you. I'll bless you financially. I'll bless your families. I'll bless the offspring of your body. I'll whoop your enemies when they come against you. They will come against you one way. They will flee from you seven ways. I'll prosper you in every way. You will be the number one lending nation in the world. Your industry will, all those, he puts his hand on the nation and blesses it. If a people will obey him and honor him. He shifts gears halfway through 28, Deuteronomy 20. He said this, but if it comes to pass that you turn against me and you throw my commandments behind your back and you disobey me, all these curses will come against you. And it reads like today's news in America. Financial collapse, financial problems, financial difficulties. You will marry a wife, but another man will lie with her. Broken homes. You'll watch your children. And what happens to them? It'll break your heart. You will become the number one debtor nation on the earth. He said that in Deuteronomy 28. Your enemies will own you. There was life on this planet spins around how you deal with the living God. He rules in the affairs of nations. All right, Israel was in trouble, but they didn't know why they were in trouble. They thought it was because of the Baptist preachers. The king said that. He said, you're the one causing all this trouble. But I want you to look at what people should do today. This is uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 18. He goes back and sees the king and he said, let's read verse 17. It happened when the king saw Elijah. He said, is that you, you troubler of Israel? We have got people actually saying today, the problem in this nation is fundamental preachers. As this king said, the problem is the preachers. Verse 18, he answered, I'm not the problem in Israel, you and your father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. What did the Bible say right there? The economic judgment on the land is because you've forsaken the commandments of God. And he not only stood up, did he not know about the separation of church and state? What is he doing going in there and talking to the king like this? Let me make an announcement. The living God who rules in heaven and earth, he don't know anything about separation in church and state. He owns everything and he calls the shots. How long shall this nation try to exist putting our fist in his face? How's that doing us? All right, not only in front of the king, he decided he'd announce it to the whole crowd. Verse 21. I love these kind of guys. Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, worship him. He stood in front of all the people and said, you need to make up your mind. The reason we're in the mess we're in is because you have rejected the Lord God. And if you want to follow him, follow him. If you don't, be honest about it. You know what he's doing? This man is standing up for the truth of God. This is how preachers used to preach in America right here. This nation was blessed by God like no nation in the history of the world, perhaps except Israel, because our founding fathers founded this nation on the Bible. That's indisputable. 
That's not my opinion, that's history. If you can find it clearly told these days. Something happened, I put it about the 1960s, when this nation began to turn away and he uh, called it out. Right, here's the deal. By the way, Elijah was not woke. I don't know if you noticed this or not. He wasn't woke, he was more on the, he was, I've had people say, you're so 1950s. No, I'm not. I'm 33 AD, I'm going back further than that, Doc. We should have stuck with the book that God is here to start with. It wasn't very woke. Let me tell you what's gonna happen, and let me tell you what's happening. Here's another prophetic word. There's something in the Bible called the mark of the beast. You ever heard the mark of the beast? Well, it's in the book of Revelation. It says that there'll be something called the mark of the beast. You have to receive it. And without it, you won't be able to buy or sell. All right, forehand, uh, I mean, you have forehand or your head. People are wondering, is it a microchip? Is it a tattoo? Would you get off of it? Really? Don't worry about what kind of mark it is. The mark of the beast is simply this. You don't bow down to what your society tells you to bow down to, and you will be ostracized and we'll put financial pressure on you. That's the mark of the beast. Don't matter whether you got a tattoo or not. Let me make an announcement. Some people wonder when it will come. It is here right now. The mark of the beast is in, is in America right now. It's across the globe right now. And sometimes it's just this subtle pressure, this subtle pressure. You need to deny what God says, bow down to what we say, or we're gonna let you suffer for it. Chick-fil-A is being persecuted by the mark of the beast these days. When they, they refuse, listen, they're not ugly. Chick-fil-A's not ugly people. It's their pleasure to serve you. Can I get a witness? They're not ugly. They just refuse to bow to this woke culture or whatever you want to call it that says, if you don't say it like we say it, we'll boycott you. And now, Disney. I'm telling you, if Walt Disney was alive today, Walt was a godly man. Walt would burn that place to the ground and celebrate its burning if he saw what they're doing today. But it's that, it's that pressure from culture you either say what we say. Can I ask you a question? Do you think we've lost our minds in this land? When a governor says, somebody says, we don't want teachers indoctrinating five-year-old children about transgender sexuality. And you got a problem with that? Why is a teacher talking to anybody about sex? Can I get a witness? Five years old. Get into a little five-year-old mind. And the teacher says, no, not math today, not science today. I'm going to talk to you about sawing your parts off and becoming a girl. Little five-year-old goes, what? <laughs> Do you know I'll get thrown off the radio for saying that right there? The mark of the, thank you, Chuck. <laughs> I used to be it. Praise God. I got, I got the radio owner here. I got the sheriff back here. I can't go to jail and he'll let me stay on the radio. Let's get in there. All right, here's the deal. Can you see it coming on right now? They're putting this pressure on our teenagers. Bow down, bow down. And it's gonna hit you financially. It's gonna increase. What did Elijah say? What'd he say? I ain't bound to nobody. Take my salary, take my paycheck. My God is Jehovah God. All right, there's a picture of what's happening in the Bible. It's my favorite one. Can I tell it to you? Of course I can. All right, but we'll look it up. Daniel chapter three. This is exactly what's happening in our nation across the globe. There was a king who got a little too big for his britches and he got this crazy idea that he was gonna build a giant statue and everybody in the nation had to bow down to his statue. Remember this? And uh, so he builds this giant statue and he said, when you hear the music, I command everybody bow down to my idol. So they played the music. There's just one problem. There's these three Jewish boys 
They don't bow to nobody except Jehovah. They were so hard to get along with. You know, them hardliners. You know what I'm talking about here. And they, everybody bowed. They didn't cuss nobody. They weren't ugly. They didn't speak against it. They just stood there. They said, we're not going to bow. And as always happens, this always happened, some little snitch saw it and had to make a beeline and get it in the newspaper or get it to the king. <laughs> Told the king, said, you need to got some guys that ain't bowing. He said, bring them to me. And he said, their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He brought them in there and they said, I hear you didn't bow to my idol. And they didn't answer. And he said, I'm a nice guy. We're going to give you another chance. When you hear the music, are you going to bow down? And uh, Meshach spoke up for him and he said, uh, I don't need to answer you in this matter. Let me tell you what he said. I love this guy. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. The king said this, you don't bow down, I throw you in the furnace. That's exactly what's happening in our land today. I'm going to throw you in the furnace of the palace. Great big open furnace heated the palace. And Meshach said, I don't need to answer you in this matter. Our God, whom we serve, will deliver us. He is able. And then, I love this. He threw this in. But if he doesn't, I ain't bowing to your pathetic little idol. Well, Southern, Southern Alamance translation, stick it in your ear, dear. You can take that out and shove it. I ain't bound down to it. That's what he told him. I love this kind of stuff. The, where did you get this Mr. Rogers with a beard, Jesus, that we've made in America? And that, that made the king so mad. He said, heat that furnace seven times hotter. He was furious. The God of this world doesn't mind you having a little Jesus on the side. He didn't mind you having a little cross on your bumper or anything like that. But you decide you're going to worship God completely and honor him completely. You will piss him off to no end. So I'm sorry anger him. They heated that furnace seven times hotter. Now listen to me. Th these were not angels. These were young. These were boys. 20, 21, 22 years old. You think they were scared? Yes, sir. I mean, they're... These, this ain't a make-believe. This happened. You can see this in world history, not just the Bible. They tied their hands they drug them toward that furnace. You think they were scared going to that furnace? They were scared spitless. But did they back down? You listen to me. Courage is not not feeling fear. Courage is doing what's right when your knees are knocking together. Courage is making up your mind. I'm going to do this. I don't care how I feel. Courage is I'm going to obey God. I don't care if I tremble doing it. I'm going to honor God. And they took them up there and they threw them in that furnace. It was so hot, it killed the men that threw them in. A little side lesson there, isn't it? Be careful throwing somebody in the fire. You might be the one that bites. They throwed them, throwed them. They throwed them in the furnace. And uh, instant, we saw, they just got near it. It killed those men. Them guys got thrown in the furnace. Where's their God? And the king, he's looking down there. He said, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a personal question? I thought we threw three in there. One, two, I see four walking around down there. And one of them's real shiny. Who do you reckon that is? They're just walking around, having the time of their lives. You want to experience the presence of God? Stand up for Him like they did. God stands up for people who stand up for Him. We keep wanting to kumbaya and have the presence of God in our little caves. Get out there and tell the world He is Lord and let Him fuss at you. You'll find Jesus. He'll come find you when you do that. And the king, uh, he had what we call a change of attitude. He said, would you mind please stepping out so we can talk about this? So they crawled up by that furnace. The satraps uh, 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 examined them. Their clothes weren't burned. Their hair wasn't singed. Listen to this. Somebody know the rest of it? It didn't even smell like smoke. What is God Almighty saying to you right there? Quit worrying about what they're going to do to you. My glory, they won't affect you a bit. 
Why do you think this stuff is in the Bible? The Bible is God speaking to you saying, is there anybody out there who has a spine for me? Is there anybody who will announce to their demon-possessed teenagers, I don't give a rip what they do up the street. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now shut up and go to your bedroom. They don't need a friend. They need a mom and dad that loves God. I promise you, if you will serve God in your house, they will rise up and call you blessed one day. How many of these girls up here, they're on this stage this morning. How many of you think their lives would have been different if they had a daddy that loved God and honored God? You got parents that love God. You need to be grateful. Where is the person who, not be ugly, don't be a jackass. Some people get persecuted, but it's because you're a jackass. It's not because you follow Jesus. Don't be obnoxious. But just will stand at work and say, that ain't happening here. Fire me, I don't care. Let it be. God gets up for the people who get up for him. That's just the great story there. All right, <clears throat> let, me, let me share the heart of God with you. Gentle, sweet, loving Jesus. I want you to listen to what he said in Mark 8, 38. Now you listen to this. He was ashamed of me and my words in front of this perverted, sexually immoral, wicked generation. I will be ashamed of you when you stand before my father. Does that sound like middle ground to you? Does that sound like Ben did some wiggly worm backbone Jesus? He's looking for somebody who is not ashamed of him or what else? Ashamed of me and my words. Now, I'm not going to be ugly to people. I don't go out in public and say, you're a devil, you're a devil. I don't do that mess. I love people, but I am not going to bend on this book. Those are his words. And Jesus is watching. Is there anybody that will not bend on my word? Thank God. We're going to have a politician. We got a ceremony here at 2.30 today. One of our congressmen is going to be here. I love him dearly. He's one of the most gracious men. He builds bridges, but he flat made up his mind before he went to the U.S. Congress. They will serve peach tea in hell before I'll bow down and before I'll bend on this book. We need men like that in Congress. We need women like that teaching the public schools. We need teenagers. Thank God we need teenagers who will walk into their schools and say, I love Jesus. Now, I'm not ashamed for folks to know it. You, you ain't had no fun till you get out there and become the light of the world. I made that up. I don't know where I got that from. Watch him. Number three, don't wake me up during the storm, all right? This is Jesus' message to you. In the, there's a storm coming in this nation. There's a storm coming in the earth. Matter of fact, it's going to be the biggest storm ever was. Congratulations. I knew you came to be encouraged today. There's a storm coming. And Jesus has a message for you. Do not wake me up during the storm, all right? You know where that came from, don't you? Mark 4, 35, one day Jesus said to his disciples, get in a boat. We are going to the other side. I'm going to take you somewhere. Dear ones, there came a day in your life when Jesus said, come with me, we're going somewhere. Just as surely as said it to them disciples, he said it to you, follow me. Follow me, me. we're going somewhere. I'm going to take you somewhere. And they were so happy. We're going to go with Jesus. These were sailors. We're going to have the best time. Calm seas, beautiful. We're going to be cruising. Might get to fish a little bit. What happened was not planned on. Surprise. You follow Jesus, you don't know what you're getting into. Now, if you're American religion, I can tell you what you can do the day you croak with your bored self. But if you follow Jesus, you don't have a clue what he's going to get you into. I love this kind of stuff. And they got halfway through the journey and the awfulest storm they'd ever seen. Now, if a Baptist preacher tells you it's a bad storm, it's probably not. But when seasoned sailors say, we're dying in this storm, that's a bad storm. They were seasoned sailors and the awfulest storm hit and they thought they were going to die from this storm. We didn't know this was going to happen following Jesus. Surprise! Well, where was Jesus? Anybody know? 
The Bible said Jesus was asleep during the storm. That is a powerful message right there, isn't it? And so they woke him up screaming. I want you to listen to what they said to God when the storm hit their lives. Do you not care that we are dying? The storm that we're fixing to go into in this nation we're sort of into now is going to cause people to say two things. God doesn't care about me anymore and we're not going to make it. That's exactly what they said. This storm has caused me to wonder if God cares about me. Let me tell you something. I go through storms. You go through storms. We're fixing to go through storms. You need to make up your mind about something. God's love for me is not dictated by what I see around me. God's love is not dictated by what I see. That cross right there is the only thing that determines whether God cares for me or not. That man nailed his son to a cross for you. He cares about you. I don't care whether you see something around you or not. And as we go through the storm, make up your mind. I made up my mind a long time ago. I don't give a flying gnat's rear end what happens to me. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I can't explain it. I will never doubt that that man loves me because of the cross. By this we know he loves us because he gave his son for us. I got one son. I ain't nailing him to a cross for nobody as much as I love people. That man nailed his son to a cross. I will never doubt that he cares about me. But the storms of life cause us to wonder if God cares. And they also said, we are dying. Now you're disagreeing with God. How many of you know believers should not disagree with God? Did Jesus say, get in the boat, I'm going to kill you? Is that what he said? <laughs> why are they disagreeing? Jesus said, get in the boat, we are going to the other side. So why are they disagreeing with God's word? Now listen to me. Listen to me. In the storms, you better cling to this word. You really, listen, the only thing you need to know in the storm is, what does God have to say about this? He said, we are dying. And they woke Jesus up. And uh, Jesus, boy, you want to learn something? This will help you right here. Jesus stood up and it was the worst storm they'd ever been in. And uh, Jesus stood up and he, uh, he looked at that storm. I've heard preachers and he said, peace be still, mighty. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. He said, knock it off. And the sea became like glass. He could speak one word and this nation would settle down. All, one word and your storm would be over. Uh, his goal and your goal is not the same. Your goal is a comfortable life. His goal is your glory and his glory. And he spoke a word and it stopped. And now they're standing there probably still screaming and it's like glass. And uh, you know what Jesus said to him? I'm so sorry. I had no idea this was going to happen. I, I should have been there for you. Group hug. I'll get you some counsel when we get to shore. Where did you find this God you got at? You know what he said to them? You ain't got an ounce of faith, do you? You know what? Listen, he says it to all of us. Your faith could have let you sleep through this thing instead of screaming through it. If you would have believed what I said, that we are going to the other side, you could have slept with me instead of screaming with them. He wasn't fussing. He was trying to teach them. Can we learn something here? Believe what the man said. You can sleep through the storm. And don't wake me up. All right, now you don't know the end of the story till you get to the next chapter. Here's the first verse said this, and they came to the other side. What did the man say was going to happen? They didn't die. God cared. They got there. Let me make an announcement. If you've cast your entire lot with Jesus and you've decided to follow Jesus, you're going to the other side. You're going to get exactly where Let the storms rage. You've never had more fun than when the storm from hell is banging on you and you just say, I think I'll take a nap. People so concerned about this ugly devil. Martin Luther is one of my heroes. He was hiding from the Pope in a castle. The Pope was trying to kill him. 
and his life was on the line. The entire Roman army was searching for one pathetic little dumpy preacher. He's hiding in a castle. He wakes up in the night and he felt something. And at the foot of his bed, it was not a demon. It was the head man, Satan himself glaring at him from the foot of his bed. And Martin Luther said, I looked at him and I just said, I got a busy day tomorrow. I need my rest. Turned over, went back to sleep. That is a man who knows the word of God and the God of the word. And don't you know that pisses the devil off when he can't make you afraid? I'm sorry, I'm gonna roll it. I shouldn't, my language is not doing so good today. I, I got this newsletter. All right, let me, uh, if you belong to God, enjoy the ride. All right, let me help you. I want to paint you a picture of this. You go, we need this today. I don't want you to get inside of a five-year-old boy's mind. You're a five-year-old. Go all the way back. Some of you need to go back about 70 years. Go all the way back. Five-year-old's mind. You know how five-year-olds think? My wife teaches five-year-olds in kindergarten. I love them youngins. They're, she has more fun than I do. I promise you that. I deal with y'all. She gets the five-year-olds. But you know how five-year-old thinks? Everything's wonderful. Everything's wild, wild imagination. I'm five years old, several years ago. We're going to the Tweetsie Railroad. Listen, don't give Dizzy another, another dollar. Take your kids to Tweetsie. They're very incorrect. They carry guns there. <laughs> Nobody ever been shot at Tweetsie with all them guns. I don't want to hear it. All right. So I go to Tweetsie. I'm five. My sister's three. My mama takes us. We get up there. They got these little boats. I've told you, little boats go round and round. Four or five little boats just float around the world. Little kids on them. You can't be any older than six or seven. So that mama's going to put us on them things. She puts us on them boats. My sister's on the inside. I'm on the outside. Sitting there. And this hateful, evil man, right before we take off, looks at me and says, you drive that boat careful with your sister in there. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm five. I'm five. I've never even ridden in a boat. And I'm driving it. And my sister's in here. That thing lurches forward. I was scared spitless. I grabbed that steering wheel, tied on a banjo string. I tell the bit, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. I'm five. You got it? I'm a child. I think I'm in charge. And her life is on the line. And we're moving ahead and I'm doing the best I can. I bump the side. I scream. I, I'm, I'm, I peed in my britches in that thing, no doubt. I don't know, but I'm sure I did. It took, we rode for four hours. It was terrible, just round and round. I'm driving and so far I've tried, just got to get her back. All of a sudden it stops. I'm serious, I'm five. And my mom was helping us out and that evil devil man says, you want to go around again? I said, no. You laugh. I'm just five. You know what's crazy about that? I didn't need to be that upset. Duh. I'm five. I didn't know. I was not in control of that boat. If I'd looked, I'd wonder why the steering wheel keeps going like this. <laughs> I wasn't in control of that boat. There was an unseen hand in charge of that boat. I wasn't in charge. Get it? If I'd known what's called the truth. Tell me what truth does to you. Set you free from fear and worry. I could have I could have turned the stinging sword wheel loose. Propped my feet up on the dash, waved at my mom and enjoyed the ride. <laughs> I could have had a blast, but I was tied on a banjo string because I didn't know the truth. Let me make an announcement. You worried about your kids and worried about driving your life and worried about your business and worried about paying this and worried about the future, you're not in charge. 
If you've made Jehovah your God, there's somebody a whole lot bigger than you at the controls. Listen, if you are on God's side, kick back and enjoy the ride. You could actually prop your feet up and enjoy this thing. You could turn loose at a wheel and you could enjoy the ride. How tragic it's going to be to crawl into heaven, cross-eyed and beat to death knowing you could have had a margarita. I mean, uh, <laughs> Diet Coke or whatever. Don't wake me up during the storm. I'm going to quit with the final word. Here's the final word. Now, this is a word from God to you, and I want you to hear this. Here it is. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden on this planet. His goal for me and you is not comfort on this planet. He never promised us comfort on this planet. Everybody in this room, you need to change your life goal. You got a life goal, and I'm going to tell you what it is. I know your life goal. I know what you live for. It's comfort. We all live for comfort. Comfortable homes, comfortable cars. They got cars now where you don't have to roll the windows up. Hit a button, they go down. Comfortable food. We, matter of fact, we call it comfort food. Comfortable relationships. If she, if, she, if she listens to me, I'll keep her. If she don't do right, I'll throw her away. We live for comfort. It is killing us. Your heart wasn't created for comfort. Your heart was created for adventure. We have killed our hearts by wanting to live so comfortable. There's no risk anymore. There's no danger anymore. There was, you weren't, your heart wasn't made for that. We weren't made for comfort. We were made to have a grand time. And, and, but we've killed our hearts with this worshiping comfort. Change from comfort, start living for this. Instead of wanting to be comfortable all the time, live for adventure and the glory of Christ. Live to have a big time making Jesus famous in this world. Quit worrying about, listen, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Quit living to keep everybody happy. Live to keep one man happy. And you'll have a blast. You're supposed to enjoy this ride. It's supposed to be wonderful along the way. All right, I'm going to read to you. My final reading. Some of you are getting hungry. All right. There was a guy in the Bible named Paul. He wrote about half the New Testament. And uh, he was called to follow Jesus. I'm going to say it again. I beg your pardon. God didn't promise you a rose garden on this earth. That's the next earth. On this earth, he promised you something a whole lot better than comfort. He promised you adventure. All right, here it is. <clears throat> and now I am headed toward Jerusalem, not knowing what awaits me there. I love not knowing what tomorrow's going to bring. Amen, I've turned loose at a wheel, except that the Holy Spirit testifies me, every city I'm taking you to, chains, pain, and trouble are waiting on you. Thank you very much. Glad to follow Jesus. What do you say? I have no clue where I'm going. I'm following Jesus, going to Jerusalem first. I don't know what's going to happen, but the Holy Spirit's told me, every place I take you, chains, pain, and trouble. Who wants to follow Jesus now? This man was looking for more than comfort in life. He was looking for adventure. All right, you think he'd quit. But none of these things move me. I don't even count my life dear to myself that I might finish my course, not with comfort, with joy, and finish what Jesus put me on this earth to do. You need to make up your mind. I'm not on this earth to be comfortable. I'm not on this earth to win a popularity contest. I am on this earth to follow Jesus and wherever he takes me, we're going to have a blast. We're going to enjoy the ride. We need to change the goal of our lives in this thing and decide this is what I'm going to do. Let me ask you a question. How are you going to finish? How are you going to finish one day? You're going to crawl into heaven whining and moaning and Jesus said, well, here comes old ball bags. 
calling all people that love God, nail it down and make up your mind. I got a friend named Robin Riggins, Max Allman's daughter. I love her dearly. Beautiful voice. One of the greatest singers I ever heard, but it's not because of her voice, it's because of her heart. She's got one of the greatest hearts anybody ever met. And she's saying her favorite song is a song that nails down the message from God to this generation. And it goes like this. I got too much behind me to let this world bind me. To some, he's just a Sunday name. To me, he's everything. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a person who's made up their mind. I'm too deep in this thing to turn back and start worshiping idols now. I've decided to follow Jesus come hell or high water, and I ain't turning back now. And you need to have that kind of attitude. Quit trying... Listen to me. Our goal is not to finish all in one piece. Our goal is to finish well, hollering. My dear friend, J.L. Williams, he left me a while back. I'll be, when I see him in glory, we're going to have it out. He's supposed to stay with me a little bit longer, but I love him dearly. He got promoted to the church triumphant quicker than me. We're in lunch one day and he said, I am disgusted with these Christians falling apart, wanting to get old and creep into heaven, beat up and retire and go play golf. He said, I'm going to chase Jesus till the day I fall over. He said, I don't want to eat. He said, I want to slide in sideways, battered and holler, what a ride. I said, yeah, yeah, that's what we want to do. Friend, I'm not looking to be comfortable. I'm not, I don't want to crawl into heaven and it was so difficult. I barely, I want to slide in looking like I've been in a demolition derby, one fender missing the other and flapping and holler out. That was fun right there. I want to, I want to finish. You see, you sound like you're trying to piss him. I'm sorry. You're trying to make the devil mad on purpose. I don't give a flying natural rear end. I want to honor Jesus. Let the pieces fall where they may. I want to get stand in front of Simon and him say, fun, wasn't it, son? I say, yes, sir. You got, a, you got like an emergency room here where I can get patched up? I got a newsletter. I get newsletters from different ministers. I got one yesterday just made me mad. I'm sorry. It was this ministry and different ministers had written things in there and they were talking about their ministries and their program. Every single one of them was whining and moaning. It's so bad. It's so hard. These poor people get so beat up in the ministry. You don't know how hard we got it. Pray for us so we can hang on. I said, I'm going to pray for you to get off the planet. You're pathetic. Sorry. Show me in the Bible where we're supposed to look like broken chicken wings till the day Jesus gets back. Show me where we're supposed to moan and whine. Let me tell you, we're going to finish. All right, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm done. Let me tell you, we're going to finish. You know, I read, I'm a biography freak. I'm reading biographies. I'm reading a biography now, one of the greatest men that ever served in this nation. He was a U.S. congressman, served in Congress. He was a militia captain. As a matter of fact, he was a colonel in the militia, and he was a great frontiersman. His name's Davy Crockett. You ever heard of Davy Crockett? He was one of our greatest political leaders ever, served in the U.S. Congress. And uh, the Congress became so corrupt in 1838. I can't tell you what he said. I've already cussed enough today. <laughs> I can't tell you what he said, but he said, I'm done with you. You want to live like this? I'm going to Texas. Not the smartest thing he ever did, but he went to Texas, 49 years old, lost his life in the battle of the Alamo. And he died defending Americans at the Alamo. I got to tell you something here. Uh, you, if you're familiar, if you, you know what happened. All right, they, they were outnumbered. General Santa Ana had far more Mexican soldiers than they had there. They were outnumbered. There was no way they could have won, but they had a fighting spirit. He and Colonel Bowie, the man who invented the Bowie knife. And so they're fighting and, they and the Mexicans slaughtered all the Americans. The women, a few women lived to tell the stories of it. And a lady said this, <clears throat> Mr. Crockett was the last man standing. When General Santa Ana offered to let him surrender to save his life, he told General Santa Ana, stick it in your ear. I ain't surrendered to nobody. I will die defending what's right. 
I love a man like that. Can I ask you a question? Would you rather be a living rat or a dead lion? Knowing that one day the rat is going to be a greasy spot in the road and the lion will resurrect to roar again. Which one do you want to be? And uh, she said that man fought till he was the last man. He fired until he ran out of shot, turned his rifle around, grabbed the barrel and beat on Mexicans with the butt of his rifle. And that's how he went down in a blaze of glory. Yeah, that, that's what we want right there. That's the spirit of a champion who has, he has decided my own life's not even dear to me. What, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? What's the worst thing that happened to you? So we could get killed and stand in front of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory with a brand new body and celebrate? You love breathing down here too much. Now listen to what I'm fixing to say. You're staring right at me. Listen. You want to take the club out of your enemy's hand? Tell him, kill me. I don't care. He ain't got nothing else he can hold over you. I want you to listen to Revelation chapter 12. They whooped him. They overcame him. Southern elements, they whooped him. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the cross, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. You got the blood of the lamb. It was spilled for you. You got the Bible. When are you going to start loving your life? Not unto the death. When are you going to say, kill me? I don't care. So what's easy for you? You're old. I know. I know. Listen to me. Our enemy has no tool against a person who's willing to die. And I, I, don't, I don't, please don't martyr yourself to impress anybody. Two years ago when 220 Marines were killed in the Beirut, Lebanon barracks bombing, a suicide bomber drove into that barracks. U.S. Marines killed 220 men. The Marines did an investigation. They came back two years later and they said, what can we do to defend against this? You know what their answer was? Nothing. There is no defense against a man who will die for his cause. Our enemy ain't got a thing. The only thing he's got over you is fear. And when you decide, I've decided to follow Jesus, come hell or high water, period, you're done. All right, I got to finish the scripture I didn't finish. You remember I told you in Mark 8, 38, he who is ashamed of me and my words in front of this wicked and sinful generation, I'll be ashamed in front of you, in front of my father. Let me finish that. But whoever stands for me and my word in this generation, I will stand up in front of my father for you one day. That's what you want right there. That's what you want. Let me make an announcement in case you didn't know this. And you need to know, every person in this room needs to know this. They're going to be an awards banquet when this thing's wrapped up. There's going to be a ceremony when this thing's wrapped up. And nobody's going to slap anybody at that ceremony, I promise you. The Bible says there's going to be a ceremony. It's called the judgment. And at this awards banquet, he's going to dish out awards at this thing. Listen to what Jesus said. Stand up for me down there. When it comes your time to stand up in front of the Father, I will stand up and say, that's mine right there. That's mine right there. They weren't perfect. They made mistakes. They didn't know what to do half the time. But when they got a chance, they stood up for me. Come over and stand with me. You're mine. Come stand right here with me. That's what we're living for right there. Forget your cush life. Stand up for the man so that one day he'll stand up. I promise you, you stand up for Jesus. Let them boycott you. Let them call you all kinds of ugly stuff. Just smile and tell them, don't wake me up during the storm. And one day you'll be glad you did. Amen. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. I, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't mean to get so excited in church. I just want to praise you and thank you. Why are we trembling when we have the great God we have? 
Who is our God? Are you not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Are you not the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego who said, you let them throw you in that furnace, see if I'm not in there with you. Are we not the God of Daniel who said, throw me in the lion's den, see if he don't shut their mouths. Are you not the God of the great people of the Bible who defended them when they stood up for you? I pray for every person in this room. Make up your mind today. As Elijah said to the people, serve him or forget him. Follow him or forget him. And I want to praise you and thank you for that. Now, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you and praise you for something. You had a chance to deny me. You had a chance to take the easy way out and walk off from the cross. You said, nobody's making me do this. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And you stood up for me at the cross, beaten and naked in front of your enemies. I will stand up for you in front of my enemies by the grace of God. I pray for grace to do for you what you've done for me. So one day again, you will stand up for me at the big bash ceremony. And I want to thank you and praise you. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord. I thank you that there is nothing coming in the future that you will not have control over. So Lord Jesus, if it's all right with you, I'm going to quit trembling and hollering and turn loose of the wheel and prop my feet up and enjoy the ride because I've decided to be on your side. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.